0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 47 of the Hot Ticket Podcast. On today's episode, we actually have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Danny Vasquez. He is the National Sales Director for Romacraft Back. But before we begin the episode, just a few housekeeping items. Number one, if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review to the Hot Ticket Podcast on iTunes. Number two, we do have our Facebook group up and running. It's been up and running for about a month now. It is the Hot Ticket Cigar Faction. So if you like good banter, a good group of people, and some knowledge-based dialogue, um, feel free to join the Hot Ticket Cigar Faction Facebook group now. With that, we'll begin the episode.
1: This week I listened to a couple episodes, and I was like, man, I wish this shit was live, because I got shit to say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so
0: speaking of, speaking of, so before we, before we get into the nitty gritty, um, yeah. I, I feel like an email, you called us out on our, on our whole Facebook thing. So <laughs> I wanted to uh first and foremost, get your take on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, so Facebook is for me now, you know, being uh, at once, you know, one time an entrepreneur, which is kind of a little bit what you guys are doing mm-hmm. you know, a little bit. And, and then also being a dad with kids, whatever. It's like Facebook's for two different types of people. It's actually for three, it's for three different people. But one of them are, is the kind of the people that complain about Facebook, which is kind of where you guys are at at the moment. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's for the grandparents to see the pictures of their grandkids and families to kind of stay together. And then it's also for people trying for companies to market themselves, right? I mean, Facebook is nothing but a marketing tool. I mean, that's all, they sell ads. That's what Facebook is for. That's what it was built for. That's why Mark Zuckerberg makes his money. So, like, people that kind of get bent out of shape for this and that, it's just like, man, you're just, if you look at Facebook as a tool to push what you do or sell whatever it is you want to sell or market yourself or create your own profile, you know, create a, a following of people and just, like, ignore the rest of it, like, Facebook's the best thing out there. And especially it's, like, you guys have, you know, like your hot ticket podcast, right? Which you guys have a, I don't know if you, I'm sure you guys have a Facebook page, right? So right. with that, you could, you know, you could sponsor for 20, 30 bucks. You could put that, uh, that podcast thing like directly into people that, you know, have that exact same interest and they just charge and they charge you minimal amount of money for, to get in front of that many people, right? So if you paid 20 bucks and it got you two more listeners, well, you know, multiply that over 12 months. You know what I'm saying? If you do $20 a month, got two listeners a month and then organic, and then whatever you get organically. Right. right. But that's just how I see Facebook. It's like, yeah, you know, Facebook is whatever. There's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pictures of, I mean, if you, if you go into any of those Facebook groups, like it's all just, Ninety percent of it is a guy holding a cigar, right? Which is like, yep. okay. Now, if you're just a guy and like that's the only thing you do is you post pictures of cigar, like, all right, come on. But you know, for me, working, working, let's say, for instance, let's say I've worked at Rumor Crafts and I'm posting at, you know, posting our limited stuff and this and that and that. Right. I mean, that's kind of brand drive. That's that's just why I see. Yeah. Do, do you it's, see
0: where? Where do you from a social platform perspective? Where do you see the most gain? Like uh, between like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where do you see the, the most bang for the buck?
1: So Twitter is definitely a, towards the end. Um, and it, they need to do something fast, or they'll be gone in the next four or five years. Um, uh, Facebook and Instagram, thankfully, owned by the same company, right. can, can work hand in hand. But Facebook, I mean, essentially, when you, when you create a Facebook ad or Instagram ad, it automatically will make a Facebook ad, right? So right. Uh, that, that is your best bang for your buck. Unless you have this crazy Snapchat following, um, Snapchat is really good, co- really good for a certain crowd. It, it isn't really good for, I don't think it's good for cigars, just because of the age of the people that are using Snapchat.
0: Right. right like 15. Now, right
1: now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right now isn't a good thing. But uh, Snapchat does have its place in overall marketing. Just not in the cigar industry. Yeah, but, right. uh, but yeah, Facebook by far. But like people want to talk shit about Facebook and like, oh, it's, you know, it's dying off. Like, man, the numbers just don't support that claim. You know what I mean? Like the numbers are just showing they're, they're growing and he's like the fifth richest dude in the world for a reason, you know? <laughs> and, uh, like, and like the, the, what they've done correctly on like MySpace, right? It's like, you know, how you can go create an account now with your Facebook app, with your Facebook login. Right. Like, for create anything. With, create with me. Yeah, create with Facebook, log in with Facebook. Like, you'll never get a uh, away with, from that. I mean, it's just, it's ingrained to us now. And it's just to, it's a, it, there used to be, I mean, there's still all those fake accounts and shit like that. But now, like, with Facebook really being on top of verifying fake accounts and, you know, stuff like that, it's just, you can almost trust, you know, I mean, you can't trust what the person is putting on. I don't know if that's really your Ferrari you're leaning on or not, right? right. But it's like, but I can, with some, Reasonable, you know, mindset. I can be like, yeah, that's that's him, or that dude's legit, or you know, I know.
0: Right. Yeah. I so before before we started before I started that question, I talked to Chris and I said, (laughs) I said, no matter what Danny says, I'm just gonna tell him I'm not gonna agree with him. (laughs) But dare I say, dare I say, you convinced me. (laughs) Here's here's my thing.
2: Like, so I I I'll set a cigars. I own a software company here in Dayton. And, uh, like we do a lot of social marketing or we try to whenever it's uh, relevant to what we're doing. Um, and it's great for that. Like the, the ideas for most brands, individuals do a lot better than brands do on Facebook. I've noticed, uh, and, uh, brands, brands struggle mainly because everybody associates brands with someone trying to pitch you something or sell you something, but brands have gotten a lot better now where they'll do social media marketing where they're just, engage with their communities and that builds brand loyalty. And that's exactly what you want anyway. But, uh, uh, one of the things, one of the things, one of the things I noticed though, and this is like the biggest, like knife in my chest is (laughs) I tried to look into the legalities around promoting cigar related brand content and Instagram shut me down. And so did Facebook and it is aggravating as hell.
1: But you know what's weird is Prometheus has sponsored ads. I see them I know. all the time. I know. And, they have, and I'm like, well, what the fuck? So I wrote Facebook. Yeah. I wrote Facebook, but I, didn't, I also didn't want to, like, you know, throw Prometheus under the bus, right? Like, I don't right. want to be that guy, like, oh, hey, they're doing it. But yeah. at the same time... My question was more like, hey, you know, I would love to follow the guidelines that this company is doing so that I could promote my product on Facebook. Yeah, sure. And it's a good and, point. Uh, never got a response. <laughs> of course. <laughs> they're probably like, they're probably like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, ignore it. Ignore it. Delete, delete. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, exactly. so, Danny, um, let's let's start with this now that we're outside of this Facebook <laughs> question.
1: <laughs> Debate over.
0: Um, Are so we recording already? Oh yeah, oh, we've yeah, been man. recording, man.
1: Yeah, yeah we, we. Is that is that legal? You didn't tell me.
0: Yeah, it right. it sure right. is. It sure is. It's it's, uh, <laughs> Chris and Corey Allen legal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would. What I would like to do is begin with. Um, first of all, how did how did you get started in cigars, and then, of course, your um, that kind of uh, uh, rolling into your employment at Roma Craft. How did that all begin?
1: Uh, yeah. So just like any other, uh, kind of cigar guy that, uh, sits in a lounge for too long, um, me and a buddy, you know, we're just, we're kind of looking around. We didn't really like our local shop, but it was the local shop. Um, they had a good selection, but just the staff kind of sucks. So, you know, we just kind of looked at each other and I was like, I was like, man, you know, uh, we could do this. Right. So I was like kind of real cocky, like, Oh, I can open up the shop. Right. So we all look and, you know, this was in Maryland, so it's like everything's super expensive, and it was just like, you know, we're talking a couple hundred thousand dollars investment and build-out yeah. and inventory. So we're just like, you know what? Now I'm good. So then I was like, you know, I really still want to do it, but I kind of noticed that I, I was drawn more towards uh, the actual cigar industry as opposed to the retail side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we started looking into creating our own, our own brand and getting our own blend. Um, so fairly quickly, um, I started that kind of hunt and I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't have any connections in the cigar industry. I didn't know any, I mean, I knew a couple reps because they would come in, in there, but I, I didn't even really know them. Um, and then I really just started like researching, studying, you know, I did the tobacconist university thing. I, I started, uh, just kind of smoking more, doing, going to events, learning and, and, um, you know, just wanting to just, you know, what am I missing other than, okay, smoking profile and, and this and that? Uh, and then I just started kind of calling like factories, right? I started, um, I, one, one uh, factory, Flo de Gonzalez, like I, I almost work with them. Um, and then I, I started almost working with Camacho, I'm sorry, with uh, Davidoff in the Camacho factory in Honduras. Uh, so essentially, I, I started to, you know, want to build my own. Uh, brand, my own blend and and uh, kind of started on that path of, of having my own uh, my own company. and it took me like a year and a half um, to finally be able to you know nail down a factory, know what I was talking about, know you know who the you know real players are that could help me out and it and it I landed at La aurora in uh, the Dominican Republic. Um, and the funny story with that is like I, I literally cold called the factory um, got the DR number called and, it, and if you've ever been to that factory in DR um, it kind of you kind of start out um, there's a little museum but then there's like a um, there's a retail store and that's actually who I called and I, I call and I said hey um, you know my name's is Danny Vasquez I own a net which means nothing right but if you say your name it sounds like they, they, it sounds like they should right. know you
3: are. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. so, hey, it's like, Danny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm like, you know, I'm, I own a cigar company and I, I look interested in working with La Rota to create my own brand or my own blend there. She's like, okay, well, you know, and this is all in Spanish, all in my best Dominican accent. And uh, she's like, well, let me see if Manuel is available. So I'm like, all right. And me being the Spanish guy, I'm like, all right, well, who's Manuel, right? Like, there there could be fifty thousand Manuels <laughs> half of them are like cleaning the bathroom or whatever.
3: Right?
1: <laughs> so so it turns out to be Manuel Anoa, which is their master blender. He was the master blender at General Cigar for like twelve years. Um, and then that year he ended up being um Dominican Cigar Person of the Year or whatever. Right? It was like it was like yeah. a really great year for him. So um I talked to him over the phone, uh kind of you know, what I what I was looking to do and my ideas for the for the entire brand and he seemed interested which you know la rora seems to be kind of good with um and as fate would have it he was going to be in dc uh within two weeks so instead of kind of doing this whole thing and shipping me samples and going back and forth i just made a you know kind of an appointment to meet him at one of the events that he was doing in dc because this is i was living in maryland
3: mm-hmm.
1: and um and so we talked for like an hour or so after, and you know, he brought me kind of an idea of what we were talking about um, over the phone. Uh, I tried them; I loved them. We made a couple adjustments here and there, nothing crazy, and that was it. And that company was called Baracoa Cigar Company, which is a city on the east coast of Cuba. And this, my first cigar was called the Voyage, um, nice. and it went went fairly well. Um, you know, it was uh, I was I was on like a bunch of different shows, and I, you know, I did you know got some really good ratings, and um, you know, it was, it was fun. I was doing events all on the, kind of the East Coast mm. uh, down in Florida. You know, I actually launched at IPCPR, sort of. You know, I, I shared a booth with, with uh, a friend that, you know, we can kind of get into that. because um, I, I also started, like, helped start this organization called Save the Leaf that we did, uh, like, a protest at, at was- in Washington, D.C. over the FDA stuff. Oh, nice. Uh, so, you know, there was just a big big to-do kind of at, at the launch. Um, and then it went great. Like, I had a launch party. We had, like, 130 people there i think we sold like 20 25 boxes you know like my first event ever my first cigar ever it was, so it was it was great
2: that's awesome
1: uh yeah it was it was fun and uh you know I got to know a lot of people in the cigar industry and make a lot of really good friends and make connections and um you know i ended up me i met skip in vegas just kind of real quick and skip uh, for your, all your listeners skip martin of uh of romacraft mm-hmm. and um so fast forward about a year after I launch, and we're no further along with the FDA um, situation, right? So when I started it, you know, and then and then um, I was actually doing a cigar fest at um, in Pennsylvania the week um, that they announced the FDA announced the August eighth date, and I was like, son of a bitch, right? So it was yeah, like bad timing yeah it was total bad timing so i'm like well you know do i stop or do i move forward you know and i said well you know if we move forward um you know what what happens if in a year this kind of goes away we know there's going to be a lawsuit i'm like we'll just move forward so a year into it we get an extension on you know when everything has to be filed to 2021 which is fine but at the same time i can't legally create any new products i can't you know, make any, you know, make 10 count boxes or limited editions or, or I can't do anything. And, um, that just kind of took it out of me. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Because I had the one cigar and two different batolas, which was the plan to come out with it first and then slowly roll out a couple of the sizes and mm-hmm. cigars. Right. Um, and, uh, I just had to make a decision. Right. So I ended up not going deciding not to do ipcpr in 2017 so i'm like well if i'm not going to do ipcpr then what am i doing right like that's the show to go to that's why they call it the show and uh shortly after i kind of made that decision i was like you know what? i'm just gonna i'm just gonna close it down while i'm ahead of the game and not in a lot of debt and just kind of just move on i was i was also you know i still have my full-time job right and and um i was also like it was getting big enough where it was kind of interfering with my job, but not big enough where it could take over my income, right? Mm-hmm. So right. I was like in a weird spot. So made the announcement to shut it down. Uh, press release went out. Went out. It was pretty cool. Skip was like the first person to reach out, and he was just like, "Hey, you know, sorry to hear it. You know, it, it was cool what you were doing. You know, if you ever need anything, let me know." Um, I'm like, "All right, cool." And you know, I wasn't. That was it. It wasn't like a job offer or anything. Well, they weren't hiring. So, um, and then. As fate would have it, like I think two months later, the guy that they had working here, his name's Coy. Uh, Coy now works for um, like the black label uh, guys or the, um, was it Boutiques Unified? Yeah. Um, Well, he took that job and he moved back to South Carolina. So there was an opening at Romacraft and uh, just kind of, you know, jokingly reached out to Skip, like, hey, you hiring? You know, and he's like, you never know. Um, But then we kind of got serious about it. He's like, well, would you really consider moving to Austin? I said, well, you know, if it made sense, right? Like,
3: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so with that, um, they flew me down. I ended up meeting Michael Rosales out in Oklahoma. We did some, uh, we, you know, went to some shops we did an event and then we flew down here to Austin and I met the team. And it was like a five day, like long hangout interview process and, uh, sleep deprived me and see how I, <laughs> see how I acted. <laughs> and, uh, and by the end of it, you know, had an offer. So, um, so that was it, man. It was just, you know, when I think back to that conversation with my friend at the, the initial conversation of, hey, you know, let's have a shop. It, it seems like yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was like three or four years ago. You know what I mean? Like, so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my story and how I ended up here. So, yeah, that's pretty that's cool.
0: Awesome, actually. That is pretty cool. So, so, um, hopefully. Uh, when I ask this question, you don't say anything <laughs> negative, but how are you liking it? I mean, as far as being part <laughs> of the manufacturer, um, which right. I know you said you you kind of gravitated towards even initially, how is it working for a brand like Roma Craft
1: So, what I'll say is it's it's well, okay, and not even to because I don't kiss. I don't kiss anybody's ass, right? But it is. Be- it's actually better than I had anticipated when I took the job. Very so, cool. when it comes to boutique guys, Ro- Roma Crafts. I don't care what you think or whatever. They're towards the top of the list of those guys, right? Of, the, of all the boutique guys that are around a million cigars, or well under a million cigars. When it comes to quality and price point and and all that, Ro- for me, Roma Craft is always towards the top of that list. Right. Um. Now coming to work here and actually calling the accounts um, and well, even at first was to calling my calling the accounts and introducing myself. So, Hey, this is not a sales call. I'm really just calling to introduce myself saying, hello, you have a new contact person here at Roman craft. Here's my information. I'll send you an email, blah, blah, blah. The feedback automatically was like, Oh man, you're going to love it there. you like, our customers just love, love. I'm like, Holy cow. I, this <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's cool. You know, because I had a lot, I had a, a few job offers when i let my job go for other with to be with other companies and i just knew that it would be a struggle and there'd be you know like a lot of traveling and you know i'd really have to push the brand and sell the brand and there weren't really brands that i could have even got behind one because i didn't really like them right Right. so (laughs) that's tough it's
0: easier to sell a product you believe in yeah
1: yeah absolutely especially when like when these were cigars I already I would buy regularly and like the Wonderlust was one of my favorite cigars um like it was just easy for me to be like yeah this is cool. and for me like I always have respect for guys no matter how big or small that own their own factory right so right. that that's always a, a big plus a selling plus you know a selling point to to accounts and to stores and to customers is like we we do quality control from you know from the tobacco that we buy to you know, how the boxes get made and, and how it gets rolled and shipped out, and, you know, everything. So, I guess, you know, the only thing was, you know, how would I get along with this close knit family here, right? So, for instance, Skip that works here, Skip's ex wife, and Skip's daughter, and then Michael Rosales, which is one of the other, the other owner, mm-hmm. and his wife. So, and then me, like randomly just coming in so it I'm really is yeah. a
0: family, <laughs> that's crazy, and, no, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know literally, the daughter. A, literally a family, yeah
1: yeah, so um, so that was kind of it, like the five days, like you know, would we get along and you know how would it and they were on edge as, as you know as much as I was, like, you know I'm dragging my entire family down here, and uh, you know what if it didn't work out but Michael and I seem to get along really well. Mike, you know, Mike's someone that lives here most of the time. So, well, lives here in in Austin. So, but thankfully, man, it's worked out. Like Michael has a daughter that's uh, about to be seven years old and I have a seven-year-old and my wife and his wife um, get along together. I mean, they're going out like every other weekend to, you know, do something together. So they get along really well. Um, Skipperly, like my wife as well. So, you know, we all just like really got along and just immediately, just gelled, m- m- you know. So yeah. it was just like, oof, that's good. Now yeah. I just have, to, yeah. Now I just got to do my job. Now right? you got to produce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now you got to
0: shit. Yeah, and that's so, um, one of the one of the things you said. Uh, I think you're exactly correct in the way people look at Roma Craft. and it's it's no different than the way Chris and I look at Roma Craft. Is that it is definitely a brand that's synonymous with quality. Um, I I thought about this earlier before this call, and one of the things that Every time I go into a new shop or a humidor, for whatever reason, I'm gravitated towards whether or not they sell Roma Craft. Yeah, And it's not it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm just looking for Romacraft cigars. I've smoked my fair share. Um, right. It's one of those things where it's like if I know they're carrying the brand, then I don't want to say that I legitimize the shop necessarily, but I know that they care and pay attention to what they're bringing in. And I know a lot of it is... Um, you know, numbers, right? How many sticks can I sell through? But usually right. and typically, when I see shops that are carrying your guys's brand, they're carrying a bunch of other good stuff too. They really actually care about what they're bringing in, and it's not just hey, let's let's fill the shelves with whatever. Um, there's at least a, a piece of it that they're paying close attention to. So, I think it's um, I think that speaks leaps and bounds to what Romacraft has become because it's not. I mean, how long has Romacraft been around? Just Three or four years? Correct me if I'm uh, wrong. No, it's,
1: it's been like eight years now.
0: Eight years total? Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Um, that's, that's in the cigar industry is a relatively short period of time, even at eight years. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah, crazy so. that you can make that kind of name in such a short period of time against the juggernauts of the industry that have been around forever.
2: Yeah. Let's just get it on the table right now. So we have a, like, literally one like, tobacconist shop that's actually worth a fucking damn in our area. Yeah. And uh, I, I occasionally go in there. I don't typically go in there, but I do go in there, and I always ask for, like, the same stock that they never carry or they say they're out, always out of. <laughs> and uh, I go in there, I think it was last week, actually, wasn't it? Yeah. And he's like, hey, Chris, I haven't seen you in a while. Um, We got those Romacraft Fomorians in if you want them. I was like, <laughs> fuck, yes.
1: So I bought six. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs>
2: Because we've been waiting a while for those in the Ohio market.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I heard I heard you on the last episode. Uh, kind of mentioned the Famorian that, that that you liked it. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one out and smoke it on the show and let them know about it. I, <laughs> yeah. Piece yeah. of shit. I wish I had mine on me.
0: Hey, so 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 speaking of, um, there is a uh, a new baseball bat looking cigar yeah. that you guys have out right now. Yeah. What what is that thing? Baseball bat. That's is that the, pretty good. Uh, what, what's it? The witch. The witchcraft so, or something? It's
1: a, well, it's actually called craft. Just um, craft. It used to be called, yeah, it used to be called witchcraft. Well, there is a witchcraft also, but it's just a different blend. Okay. Uh, so that's a cigar that came out in 2013, and then once again in 2015, I believe. Okay. And then we we re-released it this year. So what did it, what it's the name of the size is um, La Campana de Panama Soberana, right? So if you go to Esteli, there's a there's a part of Esteli called uh, Panama Soberana, and in that area, there's this huge like uh bell uh, that goes off at certain times in the morning and then at lunch. So, the cone shape, baseball shape Aww. is actually kind of like to represent that. I right? like that's, it, yeah. yeah, it's pretty dope. And then this year, it's actually, and it's funny, that's actually the cigar I'm smoking when we're talking. Um, this year, it is actually the Neanderthal uh blend, right? Mm-hmm. but but then it's uh the candela wrapper on it oh. and and then a, a Pennsylvania broadleaf on top of that. Oh, that's So it's sweet. actually yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll see you'll see candela on the foot and a little bit towards the top, but it's yeah. actually a, an entire leaf and then another entire leaf of broadleaf on top of that. So um yeah, and it's it's completely completely in my hand. No no molds on on this one. Um so that's kind of the big another kind of craft Thing um, right. that 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 we do, so it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's our it's our strongest cigar to date. Um, I think a little bit, you know, has to do with the vitola, you know, getting that much right. oxygen, that much oxygen at the at the at the foot, and then it concentrating towards the head, uh, yeah. the crown. <laughs> and the, yeah, it's a, it'll it'll put it it'll put it on you. But, yeah, that's a um, jolt to the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, but uh, yeah, that one we made uh, two thousand boxes, ten count, two thousand ten count boxes, um, and sold out of those to retailers in about two weeks. Um, Damn, wow! And they had like a metal sleeve on the box that were made by Wicked Anvil. Wicked Anvil is a, a company that makes a bunch of ashtrays and do a lot of stuff in the cigar industry. They've actually handmade a lot of the stuff here at, at headquarters, um, and they made that metal sleeve, and then they're individually numbered as well. So very cool. um, yeah. So what's what's funny is like, this cigar was the same price. It was seventy. You know, it was well, it was a MSRP of one hundred fifty dollars a box um, back in twenty thirteen, and it's the same price now. And now we're using candela and brawley thought it. So, I mean, it really isn't a huge money maker. It's more of a, uh, hey, here's the shit we can do. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it's really to, to promote the brand and retailers were selling out of them before we even shipped it to them. So. It was a good problem to have, and we've been, you know, I've been fielding calls for the last month asking about them or trying to get more or whatever, but I'm like, yeah, we don't have Right.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: when it's gone, awesome. it's gone.
2: At least you're not mm-hmm. doing the Gurkha route where they had their announcement, I think in the last year or so. it's like the million dollar cigar that's gold leafed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, yeah.
0: Jesus. Yeah. Gimmicky yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, come on. <laughs> well, uh, you know, D- Daniel Marshall has a gold leaf um Cigar that people swear by. Isn't that? The, I mean,
0: yeah. So I've seen, I've seen that one all over the place. Well, I know this one was dipped in like some one
2: hundred fifty thousand dollar bottle of like wine or something like that. That's crazy. Like infused with
0: wine. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> <It's> so ridiculous. <laughs> some asshole's going to pay that for it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so one of the things, Danny, that um you mentioned earlier, as far as like the price point, the value overall. That is, I think that's one thing with Romacraft I, I, I feel a lot of people appreciate. Um, what I'm wondering is is what kind of impact for you guys the FDA regulations is going to have, or has it yet? Or do you find that the model of which is in place currently, you guys can be a little bit shielded from some of the harshness of the regulations?
1: Well, I don't think anyone is going to be shielded unless you have a predicate-date cigar right before right. t- two thousand seven. Um, it'll have a, so, I mean, if, if it doesn't go away at all, there is no change. It'll have a significant impact on us. I mean, we have no predicate date cigars, um, no blend that was out before 2007. Um, you know, we are actively, um, redesigning the, the cliches or the, you know, the packaging to be able to work with the required, uh, warning labels for the, for the boxes. Right. Um. I mean, I think right now that'll be the biggest impact, which, you know, whatever, you know, like I'm okay with a warning label. Like if you, does it suck? Yeah. But Hey, how about we put warning labels, but you let us make whatever we want. for the right, Seriously. You know, sleep, right. now, now leave us alone. Right. Right. So, um, for right now, that's the biggest impact. Um, if nothing changes the lawsuit, if they never exempt premium cigars, uh, from, from the regulation, uh, Man, it could be tough. I mean, again, but we don't know what that cost of of uh, testing would be. Right. Um, obviously, the the filing is not the expensive part. It's the uh, the testing itself, testing. right? Right. Right. are right. paying since it a, Right. Since we don't have a price quote on that, it's hard, it's hard to say. You know, right. but if it if it's five thousand dollars a skew, maybe oh, we figure God. it
2: out. Yeah, that's you true. know maybe.
1: If it's $100,000 a skew, yeah, screw, yeah. like, yeah, forget it. <laughs> All yeah. we got
2: to do is find Trump smoking at least one damn cigar or cigarette, or and we can get dope. rid of this FDA regulation.
1: <laughs> so the, a lot of people have brought that up to me, right? So, and and just because I was kind of in it for a little while, Trump actually doesn't smoke cigars, and he's not a real <laughs> big – he's not a big cigar guy. His kids are – he doesn't have anything against them, but he, he, does, he doesn't know shit about cigars. Right. So the, a lot of people have said that, and I'm like, ah, he just – you know, uh, and then one thing that Trump has against us too is he's really anti-lobbyist, um, which sucks because you know then we could just well well let's put a lobbyist team together and try to grease some wheels. And he's like, yeah, he's not into that either. I'm like, son of a bitch. Right. Yeah. So the the I think you know we talked about it the other day when Rocky Patel was was did uh-huh. this Fox News thing. He hit it on the head of like, I don't think anyone in the White House knows what's going on. Like, right. no, one, no one knows about cigar, you know, what's happening with a cigar industry. Yeah, no they don't even have a
0: sniff of it, right? Because it's, relatively right. speaking, it's much smaller than anything else that they're probably dealing with um, from a regulatory standpoint. It's just a fact.
1: It, absolutely. And, and if you think about, you know, what, th- uh, 30 million or whatever the number of million cigars a year. In the U.S., I mean, it's kind of a drop in the bucket to cigarettes, right? So right. it's like, yeah, they they're not even noticing, and, and it's like, you
0: know, which is that's to me almost the the more troubling part is like if it's not having that kind of major impact, then why why is it why is it caught the attention of something like cigarette smoking or vaping? Well, how are those things all lumped together when, if you just look at a little bit of research, and you just have a, a, a basic understanding of what premium cigars are. You would know that they are not at all the same as the other two; not even closely right. related.
1: Right, and that's the problem. Is like it's it's ignorance. But how can you be ignorant of something you are about to pass a law on? Right, right? You know? like, that's what confused. <laughs> so like, that's
0: exactly what I'm saying. Right. That's what confused me. Is like how how are you even how are you going to even support something that you know nothing about? It's it's just weird to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing's frustrating. Well, I, I will say this, in, in Roma Craft's favor, if for whatever reason, you know, associated costs of testing um, cause a trickle-down effect to the consumer, I feel like the fact that we're, it's it's a luxury for us at this point to be able to pay 7 or $8 for a Roma Craft cigar, but I really do feel a lot of people, and I'm one of those people, not that I want to see uh, increased cost, are willing to pay more yeah. for a Roma craft yeah. cigar because of what it is, yeah. um, where I think other brands may be the exact opposite where it's <laughs> like, you're on the edge already, buddy. <laughs> if, <you're, laughs> if you go any higher than this, no one's going to be buying your shit. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's like, that's another issue with that boutique, like real boutique cigars are going to have an issue because most boutique cigars start at $10 a stick. Yeah. yeah. You know, when it, when it's true boutique and they don't own, you know, they don't own the factory and, you know, they're kind of middlemen themselves. And, um, you know, if you're already at 10 bucks and you're struggling to make a name for yourself, if that, if that goes up 30% and, you know, you're at a $13 cigar for that cigar I didn't even really want in the first place, <laughs> man, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. Right, right now, MSRP wise, we only have two cigars that are not limited edition you know, in our core line that are $10 and $12. And those are the Neanderthals that mm-hmm. are, you know, me- you know, just have a bunch of different tobaccos in it and Mexican San Andreas wrapper. That's just kind of at a premium right now. And, um, but everything else is, is, you know, nine bucks and under or right. like right around. So, you know, yeah, if we did a, if we did a 20% increase there on in our, on our sales, or even if, like I said, 30%, you know, we'd be now hovering around the $10 mark, which, you know, could, could, uh, be maybe justified, you know, right. um, by hopefully, you know, quality and, and, you know, consistency and, and stuff like that. So, but it still would suck. Either way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, obviously no one wants that to, wants any mm-hmm. of that to occur because I think what you would get, and I don't know, you know, you kind of stated exactly what it may represent for you guys, but let's be real. If, a lot of these things happen and they don't get reversed or the or the regulation doesn't or there's, you know, no nothing amended as far as what's currently in and stated there and today. There's a lot of brands that are gonna go away. They're either gonna be absorbed by other larger brands or they're just gonna go away. Um, as right. you kind of mentioned about what you were doing. You know, it's it's there's I think there's a lot of that out there and uh, it would be unfortunate because I think there's a lot of really great cigars there's a lot of really great brands um and then there's ones that aren't you know there's ones that (laughs) i I guess by attrition may be a good thing but um there's certainly others out there where it's like man i'd hate to see that go away so it's it'll be strange i think the next couple years will be kind of weird when you see you know if people start to go away or whatever happens it's i think it's going to be there's definitely changes going to occur but
2: how badass is it going to be if we do like a cigar prohibition man (laughs) <laughs> Where it's so underground, and we're like finding these like little places in back alleyways, like meet up in these basements to smoke cigars.
0: The speakeasies are making a return. <laughs> Pretty much. Just, just all cigar. Yeah,
1: uh, and I, I'll tell you right now, man. Like uh, I got kids to feed, so I'm down. I'll do it. I'll go. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely head up the uh, you know the the black market uh, cigar <laughs> thing. Yeah. Or, or you know we you know you you have a software company who's like you know we'll do like a Snapchat for cigars like hey these cigars are for sale and it's gonna disappear in the next twenty four hours
0: oh shit yeah Ooh. you know what I'm saying I like where your heads yeah, at Danny yeah They're,
1: oh hey and nobody take my idea like, yeah no 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. That,
0: that's patent pending right now <laughs> for everybody who's listening
1: already
2: trademarked already, copywritten
1: <laughs> you yeah, know if, type that shit up
0: I feel like the old school you know where they used to um they used to take uh. Cars, trunks, whatever model T's existed back then during Prohibition, right? And they put all the the glass containers, and they're running them up through the hills of Kentucky, <laughs> shit, and shit. they're all smashing and breaking. The good thing about cigars is it's really kind of hard to ruin them. So yeah, I feel fact. like um, I feel like that's a possibility. I'm I'm down with you, Danny. I'll be a part of this revolution. It's like a cigar <laughs> mafia, dude. I love yeah. it.
1: That's so funny.
0: So, RomaCraft as a whole has been around for a little while. And it sounds like the way that you described um, your inception in the cigar industry isn't all that dissimilar from what I know as far as Skip's inception in the industry. I know a little bit less about Mike, but Skip kind of started with a similar interest. Like, he really liked what cigar smoking was, from what I know. And then it kind of materialized into what exists today.
1: So, Skip owned a store down in Galveston, uh, Texas um, called Chief Hava and um, no, no, called uh, Hava Cigar. Hava, like Havana, and mm-hmm. Hava Cigar. His name, his Instagram name is Chief Hava. Chira, Hava. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and so, he, he owned a shop there and then that it actually got destroyed by a hurricane and he just, like, he lost everything yeah. uh, in the store. So, then he ended up uh, back here in in Austin, uh, and he was working for Dell. Now the way the way I mean, is that what you guys want, like an origin story, or yeah, yeah, want
3: to yeah okay. yeah.
1: All right. So then, uh, Michael Rosales was actually kind of the first one to already be in the cigar industry. My, Rosales had a, a a brand called Adrian's, and he was actually you know sourcing the tobacco in Costa Rica uh and and having a um a factory there making them and then you know they were getting shipped to the u.s and um he was just kind of doing his rounds he was kind of uh what really well known around texas um which you know aside from pennsylvania and like new york new jersey like you could probably make a cigar career here in texas if you did it right right but um so he was doing okay um stuff started getting a little more expensive in costa rica so he ended up going to Esteli. Um, and looking at you know getting to know people there, and 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 uh, you know looking to source tobacco and you know different different things there in Esteli, and um, he um, starts just kind of meeting different people, right? And uh, Esteban, our, uh, our 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 I guess master blender mm-hmm. or whatever, um, yeah, guess what he is, master blender in in Nicaragua. His brother, actually, that now runs um, Noxa, which is where like Steve Saka gets his stuff made. Um, he, him, and Michael kind of, you know, met, and um, he was leaving the com- the factory where he was working, and him and Michael had a conversation about coming to the U. S. and and making cigars. And uh, Michael was like, you know, I don't know, you know, let's we'll we'll talk. You know, it's like that was just, that was. He didn't really know how to work it, but it stayed in his head. Anyway, he comes and does. Michael, back in the U.S., is doing an event or is visiting a store and, and talking to the owner. And the owner starts talking about, you know, wanting to do a house blend for them. And Mike's like, well, you know what? I have an idea. What if we had a roller come in here and he rolls for you all the time? I'll get the tobacco. You know, I'll source the tobacco. And, then uh, you know, just they did their little business deal. And the shop owner was like, hell, yeah, let's do it. So that was that was Raul, which is which is Esteban's brother, and uh, and he they came in and were doing it, and all of a sudden it turned him from that store to two stores to four or five stores, and then it was kind of traveling to hit you know a couple different states, yeah, and and it was just really working out well, and then as fate would have it, Skip and Mike met at a store, and Skip kind of you know asked about getting a blend made and and stuff like that, and Mike was like, okay, you know, let's Let's try, and I, I'm sure I'm skipping some steps here, but remember, I'm the new guy. That's cool. But uh, <laughs> you, you'll get the you'll get the uh, you get the gist. Um, and and then by this time, Michael had met Esteban, obviously through Raúl, um, and goes back to goes back to uh, Nicaragua, and they make they make the some samples of of what is now Cro Magnon, uh, and he brought those back to Skip. Skip liked it, and then. Skip's like, all right, I'm gonna, let's, do it, let's, sell a th- let's do a thousand of these, and we'll do them in bundles. And um, at the time, Skip was really, you know, in the cigar, what what the cigar industry, um, I guess, social media at the time was, Skip was actually one of the bigger names in it. Him and Steve Saka were already kind of in this community, especially, like, on Reddit and, and some other, like, cigar forums.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, maybe not Reddit, but, like, forums like that. Right. And, uh, he sold all thousand of those cigars within a couple hours. Jesus. So, so then the next one was like a 5,000 cigar order. And this is all being done after Esteban gets out of work. Cause he was working as, um, at a cigar factory in Nesta And then, um, it was getting done. as So the first Roma craft, uh, factory was actually esteban's house yeah they i, I a, heard
0: they were hanging what the uh, hanging leaves in like the bathroom like where the tub's at i heard i heard uh i heard i don't know about that yeah, but... i know they
1: they were storing like they had or storing you know, they yeah had, yeah they were bare. you know they had their their bundles of, of leaves and stuff there and um they actually built like a, a a factory in the back out of some concrete and, you know they had rollers and um and everything was there yeah, yeah which it's still up and they have like the romacraft logos on the wall that were like kind of spray painted on which is real cool like stenciled um and we went to visit that and um matter of fact there's actually still tobacco in there too but uh so that was just kind of it and it snowballed but that you know at this time you know skip was still working at at, at dell and mike was still trying to get his hustle and you know at, at one point you know at some point along the line they're like okay you know we are we going to do this at the next level or not? So Skip ends up leaving Dell, and goes down and goes full time in Nicaragua. So he lives in Nicaragua now. Yeah, that's what uh, I saw. Which is pretty crazy, right? That just is to crazy. kind of like know that dedication and like just know it's going to work to the point where you're like, I'm going to go." Yeah, he's in the thick um, of it. I
0: mean, he's in. Right. That's like that's like the 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 heart of it all, which is crazy.
1: Right. So. Uh, you know they have that factory, and then they quickly, quickly outgrow that factory, especially after their first IPCPR, which was in Orlando, um, and uh, and the rest is kind of history. They they opened up Nicasueño, uh the new factory that the, the the not new, but the factory that we're at now, um, and we're at capacity there, and we really don't even have the room for all the tobacco that we own. Um, uh, I think we only have like 20% of the tobacco that Nika owns at the factory. The rest is kind of just being held at where we buy it, where we source it from. Um, and it's just kind of grown and grown from there. Uh, so Roma Craft went from, you know, bundles only with no bands to retailers like, you know, we really want to see these in boxes. So people, you know, so, you know, Skip got boxes created. Um, and then people were like, we need the bands so we can distinguish these things because you know, first was Cro-Magnum and then Aquitaine, and they had the same names. But then, you know, one was Habana, one's you know, so mm-hmm. then we got the bands on them. And then Intemperance came, and then now Neanderthal, and then the Whiskey Rebellion, which is uh, Intemperance, um, another Intemperance blend that's a famous exclusive, which is, you know, kind of, it's really taken off. Um, it's just kind of all snowballed. And uh, what's what's amazing about the whole thing is I'm the only sales guy. Right. So it's like, Michael's, I don't count Michael as a sales guy. He's the owner. Right. So he's his owner. He does all the traveling. He does the events. He kind of visits the stores as he can. And I handle the kind of the day to day account um, management and uh, that's it. There's no outside sales force. We don't have brokers. We don't advertise. There's no like true marketing scheme. It's just make good shit. And word of mouth and yeah. social, social media.
0: And it's definitely so. working for you. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That strategy so, seems to be working well.
1: Well, right. So, like, why fuck with it? So, um, uh, you know, our, our, we have a capacity to do 1.2 million cigars a year. We are at exactly 1.2 million cigars. 1 million of them are Roma Craft, 200,000 are a couple other brands that we make, like Pastagna and Fable.
0: Yeah, um, I like the Pastagna brand actually because I had it uh, yeah. a place called Smoke on the Water in Weston, Florida. That's where I picked yeah. one up, and it was delicious.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a guy, um, Mike uh, Stepankevich, out of uh, Dayton, oh, Deltona, Florida. Mm-hmm. He owns a shop called uh, Cigar Hustle, which is real cool. Um, so, you know, we're, we're at capacity, right? So, like, what when, it, when you say, what's funny, when you were talking about, like, stores that, you know, not that it legitimizes a store, but I get what you're saying. Like, you see rumacraft and they're like, well, it looks like these guys must know, what, you know, something. Right. Um, it's be, it, another reason for that is because we're kind of selective with our stores, right? We only have X amount of cigars that we can sell. So it's not like we can be in a thousand stores. Right. And we, I mean, we probably, I, we absolutely could. But then, one, we don't have the capacity to give everyone, you know, that support or to be able to have enough cigars and throughout all the lines for all those amount of stores. I mean, we already have back issues as it is because of broadleaf, because of Mexican San Andreas, like I was saying, and uh, it just wouldn't be a good thing to be at that many stores, right? So, you know, we're at about three, about 350 stores in the U.S. So, our job, my job, is really to maintain that relationship. Make them happy, customer service, and then make sure they get their their stuff that they need. Help them with their uh, inventory and their back ordering and just making sure that they know, like, hey, this is going to be on back order for a little bit. How are you guys doing? I know you sell really well with this. And, you know, go back and forth and just build that relationship, one, out of trust between me and them. So they like, you know, Danny's not trying to pawn off some stuff that they can't sell, which fortunately right now, there's, we don't have anything that we can't sell, which is ridiculous, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, that's kind of where we're at now, man. And, and to go back to Esteli and, and go with Mike and Esteban and skip to that um, original uh, factory at Esteban's house, man, and to see their faces, like, they were just kind of, like, just smiling, laughing, like, hey, remember when we did this? Remember when we did that? And it's like, man, it's, you know, just <laughs> yeah. to where we're at now, you know, and if, if anyone has seen, like, the pictures of headquarters here, man, it's, it's a beautiful build out. Uh, Nica Sueno is a beautiful factory, clean and just. I mean, it's just a really awesome place to work and to um, to go visit for sure.
0: Yeah, um, it se- seems like you guys are doing it the right way. And and I commented to you when we talked uh, the other day or, or end of last week about the headquarters location. I was following mm-hmm. the build out on Instagram, and <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, that place looks fantastic. I don't. I mean, I really don't know it. I don't really pay attention to a whole lot of other manufacturers as far as like those things go, like facilities that they own, um, unless right. they're factory facilities. But just like the headquarters that you have down there, and it just looks so awesome. It's, it's, it's almost like um, I, I love the traditional aspect of cigars. I do. But I also like the progression into you know where it's at now, and then of course where it could be in the future. And I feel like Roma Craft is is kind of in that space right now, which is really cool. And, and all the way down to you know you guys outfitting that new headquarters location. It's very cool.
1: Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's kind of that's kind of it, right? I mean we are Roma Craft tobacco, right? So it's like just like the craft beer industry. Like you 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 want to keep in the traditional sense of of the creation of your product. But at the same time you you need you innovate at somehow at some right. point you know and uh, and that's that goes through like everything that we do, even the furniture that we have here is all you know small company or you know mom and pop owned or a, like a, a you know a design studio that is small it isn't some big company you won't right. find any I- IKEA stuff here um, you know, which I love Ikea, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, um,
0: <laughs> we know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: you're just I mean, it's just, you know, craft kind of breeds craft. And, uh, you know, we've been able to be, you know, meet a lot of guys. And the craft beer here in, in at headquarters is, you know, a ridiculous, ridiculous collection. That's really neat. So the, the idea, you know, one of the things you were saying like you don't follow other other companies <clears throat> is, well, because you rarely see them post. Right. No. Their yeah. They, never right. Do.
0: they really never do. Yeah. You're yeah, exactly they're right. not
1: gonna, yeah. They're not going to. Yeah. They're not going to post pictures of their of their headquarters or their offices because they're you know, that's not super important to them that, you know, it's about selling the cigar and getting it done, which I get there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, if you have that to offer also. Right. Um, it's like a, we, I, yeah. I do about two. No, I do about. At least four or five tours a week.
3: Yeah, um, that's crazy of
1: headquarters. Yeah. So it's like. It's, it's great. Um, you know, sometimes it's like really bad timing, but, you know, you, you, you understand. You know, you created yeah, this monster, you're, right? So you you're gotta, accommodating you it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Wait till you know, we come bug you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> hey, we're <right> yeah. here. <laughs> like, like, damn it. No. Uh, uh, yeah, you guys would fit in, in in Austin with that hair and those beards. You, you guys yeah. totally fit in here.
0: I don't know uh, what you mean by that, but I'm gonna take it as a compliment because <laughs> I know I know Austin's theme is what keep Austin weird so exactly, yeah.
1: it's a very, very hipster ish i mean it is a different city than anywhere else in Texas I'll yeah,
0: it for sure is I've been there a few times, and it was uh I loved it for i mean it's mm-hmm. it's fantastic, there's no doubt
1: yeah, it's a huge mix, like I always say like if you like giant f three fifty trucks or Raptors or these giant trucks, if you're in a cool space. But if you like the Toyota Prius, it w- it's here for you too. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like Austin runs the gamut. It's pretty neat.
0: Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you would get that, I feel like, anywhere in Texas that bleeds ever. But I feel like Austin's one of those um, kind of all inclusive, accepting cities, which is mm-hmm. pretty neat. So, so what is. Um, Danny, what's the next progression for Rummercraft? So you you mentioned 1.2 million uh, sticks as far as uh, capacity yearly. Right. So what is the next progression? Are you guys looking to expand that capacity or are you, um, what's what does it look like?
1: So as I said, you know, we've we've outgrown our factory in Nicaragua. So um and it's it's like in Estelí proper, right? So the idea would be to Get a bigger facility um, and one, be able to house more of our own tobacco uh, there once so we can kind of keep an eye on it, right? Just right. make sure it doesn't go to somebody else or whatever because Esteban spends a lot of time going through bales of tobacco to make sure he's getting the one he wants right um, and that's one of the things you have to do in good old Esteble is make sure you didn't pay for this bail. And then pick up this other bale, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, if you can bring that in house, that's that's great. Um, as far as expanding more production, right? So, like, let's say we wanted to go to 1.5 million cigars, which is n- not many more, right? That's that's well, that's 300,000 more, which is almost 30 percent if we're doing 1.2 million, right? But let's yeah. say let's say we're doing a million, we want to go to you know 1.5. That's that's a 50 percent increase. Yeah. So one, you have to have the workforce at the factory, right? So there's a cost associated to that. And then and then you'll also have to make sure you're in a position to be able to uh, create all the packaging for that and then also, you know, have the ability to sell all that. So it's right. something that we're going to tread lightly on, you know, we're not looking to kind of uh 50 our our production that quickly right but obviously you know a slow production up um is almost inevitable um but uh you know right now it's really more important for roam crafts to just kind of be comfortable in their space right um and and uh you know being able to house all our own stuff uh right now it would be better um And uh, so that's kind of the next, you know, one of the next big projects um, as far as company goes, Um, as far as cigar wise goes, you know, we were talking about the 2018 craft that has just kind of come out
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: soon. We'll be re-releasing the uh, Black Irish, which is a. It's it's kind of our unicorn, right? Uh last year we did sixty boxes of it only. And oh,
0: yes. <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's probably been like the number one requested. I probably mean I probably answer questions about it four or five times a week. Um and what it is, it's our Chromagnum Magnum EMH, uh th- that size, but so it's it's like the Fomorian and the EMH combined. So it's uh Candela wrapper. Really? And then yeah, and then the Connecticut broadleaf wrapper on top of that. And then it's offset by like a quarter of an inch, so there's a, bar- a barber pole on it. And you can you can Google some pictures. I mean, it's everywhere. Um, everyone kind of goes crazy for those. Um, but we're only doing 100 boxes this year. And, uh, <laughs> and it's like the demand for it is get- probably – nobody even saw it coming last year.
0: Yeah, right? so are you going to do a bidding war on that? I right, First bid. Uh-huh. I got first bid. Mostly because well, that so- Cro-Magnet EMH is one of my apps or the – yeah, is one of my – absolute favorite cigars i actually had right. two of them i think in the recent month and i swear that i don't know what it is about that vitola but it just blows my mind vitolas yeah. man yeah. Vitola's, so, so, yeah vitolas have a lot to do it yep so a hundred boxes of that you're looking to release in what time frame
1: um well they're they're actually here we got them at headquarters already so here in the next couple weeks. Uh, we'll start taking orders for them from retailers. Now they're going to be, uh, that's going to be based on Cro-Magnon sales, right? So like, okay, gotcha. Even e- even our top accounts are going to get maybe two boxes. So, right. um, you know, there's there's guys like, hey man, I'll take 25 boxes. I'll take 50 boxes. I'm like, yeah
0: dude. you are like, not happening. <laughs> that's
1: not going to happen. So I,
0: I just need to know uh, the list of those stores. Yeah. So we'll be, <laughs> we'll be <laughs> down in Austin to hijack those shipments <laughs> in about two days. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. That, you know, you guys come down. Cool. Out, uh, You guys come down. I'll get you some for sure. Yeah, Um, that sounds awesome. And then in May, uh, we're supposed to be having – we're supposed to have what we're calling a mastodon, uh, and this is the cro magnum mandible, but in a box press. I
0: saw that. Would that be your first box press then?
1: No, uh, well, it would, no, no, we have, uh, and so since that'll be a limited, we don't have a box press in the core line, Right. but we do have some box press in the, in the limited. So we have like revenge in the BA, which is the five by 54 box press. Okay. And then we have, uh, uh, Aquitaine and cro Magnum blockheads. Um, those are obviously, um, uh, what do you call them? What are we talking about? Squared? What do you call uh, yeah, box Uh, box, box press, box press. There you go. And so what we did was, well, not we, skipped it, was we they took the four and a half by 60 uh, mandible and box pressed it. Jesus. And, you know, it's like, ah, oh, well, it, you know, here's what I'm going to tell you. If if you don't believe that a Vitola will affect flavor and strength of a cigar, get a mandible and try to get a mandible box, a box pressed, pressed.
0: <laughs> And it's a 4—so no, no, well, the, the original mandible is a 4 by 60, so that's a 4— f-
1: Fat yeah, four box and a half, press. Yeah, it's so a four and a half by sixty. Yeah, it's a short little fat fatty, and then God we box Lord. press it. But get get an original uh, mandible, and then get a mastodon and smoking. You know, on different days or whatever, and you'll you'll notice the. I mean, I had to put mastodon down. I had to put it down. I was just like, wow, this <laughs> this just kicked me in the stomach. You know, so yeah, uh, make sure you. And then in June, uh, hopefully a little later. I, I would love to save this one for IPCPR. Uh, we are releasing a cigar called Sabretooth. Uh, Sabretooth is going to be kind of the Aquitaine version of the Black Irish. So it'll oh, be cool. Yeah, it'll be the Aquitaine EMH, uh, which is a Habano wrapper. And then underneath that wrapper though will be Ecuadorian Connecticut and then offset again, so it'll be a barber pole. So you'll have your Habano with a barber pole of Ecuadorian Connecticut. Um, underneath that, and those are those are delicious. Those are those are really really good. Um, the Mastodon and the and the Saber tooth, There's going to be a little more availability to those. Not much more than Black Irish, but um, but look out for those, man. Those are going to be
0: awesome. Yeah, definitely. Jeez. I mean everything in your lineup is fantastic, but now you've got me salivating. So yeah. <laughs> the good thing you know, I have and, a and few stuff, in my humidor right now.
1: <laughs> right, no doubt. Like the the those things like that are are driven to kind of produce uh, awareness of the brand, right? Like I don't want to live off of our LEs. So that's kind of like how a company starts to, to die off, right? When they, right? You got stores that only want your limited edition stuff because, you know, whatever. But um, I think it's, it's really cool. It, it, it brings awareness and it's like, man, you know, if you like that, you should try the Ecuadorian Connecticut and yeah. the Habano separately by themselves. And then, right. you know, you could, you know what you smoke because it's hard to appreciate a I've said it on on Facebook and a few times and um there's a there's a a romocraft fan, fan group called degenerate weasels and I posted it on there one time I was like <laughs> hey um I was like you know it's hard to appreciate limited edition stuff if you don't smoke the core line stuff right oh yeah how do you how do you know that's any better? Like, well, you, you just don't know.
0: Well, we'll tell you this, Danny. We only know the traditional stuff because that's really all that's available in Ohio. So, some of that limited edition mm-hmm. stuff, minus the fact that, um, you know, the last time we met Mike, actually, Mike and Skip were both at an event and we met both of them, I think, a couple years ago. There was a few 16. limited edition stuff that they brought with them, which was really cool. But um, outside right. of that they're carrying the traditional stuff so really around here this is what most everybody knows um so and and the fact that there's so much love around the traditional stuff and not the limited edition stuff speaks highly highly like, of Remercraft oh, yeah. as a whole
1: yeah no absolutely like um you know it's kind of the the same deal when you know when I talk to a store and you know they they give me a decent like core line order I'm like hey you know we have this limited edition available and they're like Oh really? I didn't even know. you. Yeah. I'm like, how do you not? You mm-hmm. know, you don't know. But I'm like, okay, well, I get it. You know, that's kind of my job to help. You know, help inform you, and you know, and they'll take the limit because our limited edition boxes usually come in ten or twelve count boxes. Right. Uh, the the Fomorian's the only one that comes like in a twenty, still comes in a twenty four count box. But, um, so you know, it's easy, and it's an easy investment for them to you know buy a box of that and try it out. And then what happens is they buy that limited edition cigar. They sell it at their store within a day, and they're like, crap, I should have bought more. And then they're calling me back like, hey, can I get, like, five more boxes of that? Like, dude. Sorry, we're can out. When we say limited? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because, you know, some companies are like, oh, this is limited edition. We only have, you know, 10,000 boxes. Like, dude, that's not limited. That's not yeah. limited like
0: at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, normal production. You know,
1: right. So for us, you know, uh, limited edition. Uh, so for me, I have our. we have our limited edition. And then what I personally call, not not crap, but, you know, what I'm kind of selling is, like, we have uh, Super Limited, right, which is kind of like the craft, the 2018 craft for me is super is super limited because it's 2,000 boxes every other yeah. year or every, and then there's Hyper Limited, right, which will be Black Irish, Saber 2, it it's a Mastodon. And it's like, you know, you have to, you can try, you know, if, you, if this works well for you, you know, try this. And I, and, um, I kind of lost the point where I was going with that. but. Uh, those nope. are those are the like. Diff- Go ahead. Yeah, yeah those are about limited editions. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and that I, I think I think um, I agree with you as far as I've seen a lot out there where someone says or describes a limited edition, and then it's like, man, I can, I, I, I've had access to these for an entire year. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> not yeah, not right. a matter of a, a couple hours or a day or two days oh. or whatever it may be. So,
1: yeah, that's the point I was getting at, right? So, like our our regular limited editions could be between 300 boxes a year 400 boxes a year of a different cigar you know and then hyper limited like the black Irish is 100 boxes right so and then and then also that's not first come first served with those so you know if i if i have a box of revenge let's say just cuz that's like one of my favorite limited and a store calls and they're like hey we have revenge available blah 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 like uh they'll either you know pass or or not which happens sometimes, which I think is funny. And now black Irish, there's like, no one is passing on black Irish. No one is passing on craft. No one is passing on, on any of these. Things. Yeah. So um, when we say limited, it really is limited.
0: Yeah. Which is, which is awesome. Well, you guys are creating uh, one, I think you're doing a couple of things. You're, you're creating a lot of intrigue around some of those things. And two, um, you're, I, I like the idea of, of limited edition simply for the fact that I look at um i don't want to say an enhanced version of what already exists but it gives some somebody something a little bit different um that's a little bit more sought after and and i never look at those things gim I know a lot of people look at limited editions like gimmicky or whatever i have never right. seen them that way and we've had this discussion before i look at it, it as like wow okay so now they're innovating a little bit or they're trying something different and unique um something that's highly sought after and and it's like the anticipation to bring it to market is so high I love that. I think it's fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's some, sometimes I've seen some stuff that could potentially be gimmicky. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to drop any names or anything like that, but you know, there's been like some that were like, it's, it's not box press. It's diamond press. Like, no, dude, what? you just turned it sideways. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you. You'll probably do a Google search. You know what I'm talking about? but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, no, dude, that's just a turn. You turn it sideways. Yeah,
0: that's totally right. different. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. that's shitty. That's just that's just a way yeah. to take what you already have and remarket it and reapply it into the market space.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, so but yeah, man, it's definitely for us another way for you just like in, to enjoy this core blend and see what changing the batola does. Right. So I, I kind of yeah. say yeah. I, keep reven- I keep going back to the revenge. I keep going back to the revenge um is a, a 5x54 box press and it's just it's so good box press like that and or like even our our if we did we have the Magnum and an atlatl which is our lancero oh um, yeah yeah when you that's one thing about like lanceros right like i always see lanceros and panatellas as like the the the, the palette of a like a developed palette right so someone that has been smoking for a while and is looking for more flavor versus strength or whatever. Right. So, right. you know, just like a Lancero, it's thinner. So you got more wrapper, which means you have a little more, you're going to have a lot more flavor a lot because you're, you have more wrapper right. ratio. Than, yeah. The
0: balance to filler, wrapper and yeah. filler. Right.
1: Right. So uh, when, when we get into stuff like that with ours um, it's just so good. Like we, we do the Panatella's and, and the Lonsdale's with these smaller ring gauges just are so tasty. Like they're just so good because um, my, you know, I have a lot less oxygen going in there. So I'm breathing in more of this, uh, more of this amazing wrapper that we spend so much money trying to get. And uh, it's just it's so good. So yeah, I, I'm with you, guys, you there. I, I wouldn't know that if I didn't smoke the regular stuff regularly. Yeah. Right? So right, of course. if I didn't smoke Cro- Cro-Magnum regularly, if I just went to a Cro-Magnum LE LA or Lancera, I'd be like, Oh, that's what, that's what Cro-Magnum always tastes like. It's like, no dude. Uh-uh. Totally this, different. And then,
0: right. Yeah, oh. they're all totally different. And then I love that too. And and I like that you make the reference to um to something like a Petit Lancero or you know, we we're, we're we've talked about this a a lot here recently as far as like a couple of my favorite Vitolas are like Petit Coronas. And it's, right. you know, I like the idea of being able to smoke for a while, but I also like the idea of something like a petite Corona where the, I feel like there's a better balance of filler depending on the manufacturer too, as far as the components that uh, are used, um, that filler to wrapper ratio. I, I'm with you there. I don't, I don't think I could have said that any better myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a, uh, a, a, so we have some petite Coronas in the, um, and actually all of our lines in in the intemperance line it's a it's a core line product. But we did a ten pack sampler box of so it was two chromagnum, two aquatain, two Neanderthal, and then two of each of the intemperance. And uh, we put it in a like a really nice Roma craft box still and they were called um, uh the catadors or so it's the full Spanish name, but we call them the catadors, and there was a ten count sampler box and they MSRP'd for sixty bucks and they're petite coronas and these things like just blew it was a little slow getting it started but as soon as people started seeing it out there um it just kind of blew up and it was kind of the same idea with people like i just love being able to smoke every line um in that size and then but also i'm gonna spend 60 bucks on a box of cigars and get 10 like that it was just it was just amazing so um uh yeah absolutely man and there's a market for that you know like uh, there. There was that trend, right? It was like sixty ring gauge, seventy ring gauge. Oh I know Jesus. Gauge, like,
0: big the like, fattest stop. thing out. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. leave it alone. <laughs>
1: right. Because yeah, like, no, why would I buy a Robusto at a five by fifty or five by fifty two when I could get a when I get this big gourd, I get more for, for my money. More, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're getting a lot, you're getting worse for your money.
0: Yeah, yeah. I people agree. People just don't. I agree. Don't my, realize, my favorite Vitola is still the Robusto. I think it's a good, happy mm-hmm. median, but I'm really starting to appreciate, um, like, even, like I said, the Petit Corona size, I think is one of, is becoming one of my favorites. Um, again, depending on the blend itself, but I've been making yeah. like
2: bellicosos lately.
0: Yeah. Also good, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah. I, and and even box press. I used to hate box press. Now for whatever reason, <laughs> I love it. I used to hate them because it mostly because I had a lot of issues, construction and, and uh, burn issues with box press. But I feel like the process over the last few years has become more refined. It's a lot better than than perhaps what it used to be. But um, yeah, I'm 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 in total agreement with you. I I do have I have, so I have one last question for you, Danny. And uh, this sure. this came. Um, one of the guys who's in our Facebook group, his name's Kyle, and he's listened to the podcast oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. literally from the beginning, and he is so bummed because he lives in the UK. Um, he got a response from RomaCraft. <laughs> they were like, hey man, really sorry. We don't have anything where you're at. <laughs> and because right. he, um, he always listens to the podcast, he's like, I'm so bummed I cannot get my hands on RomaCraft cigars. So, for Kyle specifically, what's, what's the best route for him to actually buy your cigars? Is it online retail or are there places maybe close to him over the What does is, what, what is your global presence look like as well?
1: So, we are we are pretty big in germany um so kyle if you're listening there's a guy named um delay that owns a cigar shop in germany and he will ship um and what's cool about germany is we actually have four cigars that aren't available in the us in germany yeah um is the wonderlust one of those yeah two cigars actually uh wonderlust and neanderthal neanderthal in three sizes in Germany that are not available here in the US. And then Wanderlust, right, that is available in three sizes as well, Bellicoso, Toro, and a Robusto. Right. Um, and so uh, that guy will ship, uh, unfortunately. So when it comes to the European market, we sell to distributors, and then those distributors handle going to the store. It isn't like the US where we, right. you know, go, we go directly to the store. Um, so I don't know exactly our stores you know, what our stores are there. Michael would know better, but still, sure. um, being in the UK, I, I don't know, but online ordering is, is definitely going to be, you know, and especially if, if you reach out to some stores here in the U S and you're willing to pay shipping to you though, I, I know a bunch of guys that'll ship to you.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I, th- I think that's, so, I think that's where the barrier lies is ship. Cause I, I felt, I felt so bad for Kyle. I'm like, I kind of want to ship them something. And I was like, Oh, that shipping charge isn't
1: going to be too great. <laughs> Well, and then yeah, I mean, and then you still got to deal with customs when it gets right. over there, right? So right. like, so let's the, say they open let, so let's say they open your box. They're going to be then, holding <laughs> it. Yep. Right. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely tried tried Germany uh, to get those in. So Wonderlust, which you've seen, I'd say like fifty or sixty percent of those end up back in the states anyway. Um, that's why you see them kind of all over social media here in the U S yeah. I was
0: wondering like, that because I knew that that was a, uh, overseas kind of exclusive, but I've always right. seen people smoking them in the U S and I'm like, how is this possible? So that makes yeah, sense. They're,
1: yeah. They're buying them, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's not bad, man. It's like 400, dollars or 400 euros or something like that for a box of 40. Right. So, I mean, it's not bad. And it's like I said, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, like one or less, was my favorite cigar before I started working here at Romancraft, Um or my favorite Romacraft cigar before I started working here. So uh, I loved it. I bought a box from Delay in Germany before I started working here, and um, it, was, it was great. You know, I got it in about a week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what happens. And in even retail stores here in the US are buying them from Germany at 10 bucks a stick and then selling them for $20 a stick at their store or in sampler boxes. And guys are paying for it and they're buying them. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll get retail stores about once a week. Say, hey, you know, how do I get that Wonderlust? You know, the one with the blue band. I'm like, you can't, you know, well, I can't sell it to you. Um, but, you know, here's how everyone else is doing it. I'm not telling <laughs> right. you to do that. But, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, there, there's a path yeah. if you're willing to go down it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. So, so I lied. I do have um, before we let you go, Dan, I know you're busy. Um, I do have one more question for you. And that is, outside of the Roma Craft line, what is your all-time favorite cigar?
1: Oh, my God. Um, the all-time favorite is, like, that's a hard one. Um, I'm a big Opus X guy, um, and it, and it kind of changes. Like, like I've had, this is my favorite cigar ever, and then, like, a year later, I'm like, no, this is my favorite cigar yeah, ever.
0: That, yeah, that's us. Um, <laughs> do the same. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think if I had, like, a go-to, it would... Like just no doubt in my mind that I'm always gonna love it is the Opus X Lost City in Robusto. Okay. Um it's pricey for sure. But but just it hits my flavor profile. It it's the size that I love because their their Robusto's a little different. I think that one's like a five by fifty-two or five point two by fifty-two, something something kind of weird like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it's just perfect for me. Um I love those uh, Padron twenty sixth anniversary. Is very very close. Yes, um, yep. uh, that's a great stick. And then, and then like out of the, like the kind of norm like that. And and I'm actually I'm actually good friends with Matt Booth, and it's such that they're not making it anymore. Oh, it's Room One Hundred and One. Yeah, Room One Hundred and One. Mm-hmm. Uncle Lee. Um, that was like one of my favorite cigars ever. And uh, if I ever see it at a store, I buy. You know, I'll buy whatever they have and kind of keep it. Um, it was. That, it, that one was just really good. And for, you know, being made in Honduras and everything, it was just like, you know, not that there's anything wrong with Honduras, but it's just um, there, isn't, there aren't too many that I love out of there. And, and that one was one of them. So
0: Right. Very you know, cool. Whatever. Yeah. Very cool. I like it. Well, Danny, this has been awesome. Do you have, are there any events, any, anything that you want to make sure that our listeners know is, is coming forth? I know you, um, you mentioned a few cigars that are coming up, uh, some of the limited edition stuff as well. Anything else that right. you want to mention?
1: um microsoft is on the road he will be in uh maryland at the beginning of may and then pittsburgh the second week of may so anyone listening in those areas um you know definitely hunt him down or or watch out so you can meet him and then just ask him all kinds of questions so you can bug him and uh and and you know just just, you know, smoke what you like, man, and, and just give, you know, Roma, Roma Craft is, is definitely, we're going to have something for everyone's wheelhouse, right, and, you know, if you, if you like it, you know, great, and, and explore the rest of it, you know, there, there's some guys that be like, oh, I just, you know, I only like the cro Magnum like, dude, if you like that cro Magnum blend, you try it in the Habano wrapper, so like that, but, um, right. I mean, that's kind of, the, that's kind of the stuff we have now, um, uh, going on and, and just kind of follow us follow Roma craft on, on Instagram. Skip's always posting like the new stuff that's coming out. I think he even posted the sample blends for craft 2019 yeah. uh, in the last, in the last couple days. So, you know, if you want to really know what's going on in, in the Roma craft world, uh, the Facebook page and the Instagram page is handled directly by skip. And he's got, he's got the inside track over everybody because they're his ideas because he works at the factory. Right. And, uh, so, just you know follow that and, and uh and you'll see some cool shit,
0: yeah, there's no shortage of information, especially on Instagram because it's so there's your instagram, there's skips, <laughs> there's mics, and then there's the companies um i right I'd like to say that i I follow all four of them you're welcome <laughs> um, I, you know I like to keep apprised of the things that you guys are doing. I'm a little stalkerish. I'm not gonna lie um. <laughs> As
1: long as you like it, as long as you like the picture, you can, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I do.
0: I don't stare at it for four hours and then they're fine <laughs> Yeah. So um yeah, definitely. Um I, I definitely encourage everybody and, and our listeners for the ones who um appreciate Rummercraft, which is very it is a lot of them. Um, there's a lot of listeners that are going to be hearing this that are going to go, "Okay, now I need to get my hands on it." That that usually seems to be the trend when we uh, when we talk and discuss, and especially have Thanks. a manufacturer on. So um, hopefully, there'll be that uh, nice trickle effect as well. So, um, Danny, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, yeah, man. Um, especially on this wonderful Friday. Hopefully, it's as beautiful in, in Texas, which I'm sure it is, um, as it is here in Ohio. Hmm. So.
1: Oh, no, thank you guys, man. I really appreciate, uh, you know, uh, being able to come on and, and talk to your audience and hopefully shed some light, more light on, you know, what Romacraft does, what we have coming. And, um, yeah, I hope you're right, you know, that, that this kind of piques that interest of your listeners to go out there and, and really try Craft. And, you know, Kyle, I'm sorry if we're, if we're not <laughs> messing with you right now. You know. um, but, uh, but if you move to the States, Kyle, you will have an amazing accent. Yes, that that's what would, I tell them. You will be picking up chicks left and right, man. Don't
0: yeah. worry about it. Just, Unfortunately, it I, think, how- I think he's a fiance, or
1: getting married, or just, mar- or oh, just so got I mean, married. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're not married yet, go ahead and break that off. Don't Don't get married. Yeah, come to the states. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter how ugly. Doesn't matter how ugly you are, man. You got an English accent. You'll, you'll kill it in the You'll, states, you'll sure.
0: destroy it here, hands down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
0: anyway. Th- well, thanks right, again, guys. Danny. This has been awesome. Uh, we greatly appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to you soon. Yeah. All right, guys. All right, appreciate see you, Danny. you guys. We'll see. see you. All right, bye. Oh, that was wonderful. Mhm. So everybody, that was Danny Vasquez. He is the director of sales for Remocraft. So we appreciate Danny having I'm so used uh, to just on. talking belligerently
2: and just like screaming and yeah. then like I get real somber and like, uh, like really humbled and like really just chill. Yeah. When we get interviews, it's cool though. Yeah,
0: I I love it. I love it. I absolutely have a a blast doing it. So hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Um, before we end the episode, hey, we're gonna what time answer, it is? What you time know? is it? Is
3: it's, a,
2: a, it's a give me one hot minute. We answer your questions. In about 15 minutes.
0: In about 27 f- minutes. Well, actually, in this episode, we really got to hustle. Yes, we so do. we're going to go quickly.
2: Daniel Smith, to purge or not to purge, that is the question. Of course you purge. You always purge. Too much of anything is, like, bad.
0: Purge in, in the form of just throwing up in yeah. general.
2: Or, or just, like, purging, purging getting, inventory. R- getting rid of stuff. Yeah, always purge. You don't want to hold on. It's hoarding.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, for sure.
2: Purge. Philip Williams asks... Newbie, intermediate level smoker, aficionado. When does one progress from one to the other, and who determines that? Well, Philip, there is an online certification or certification process you can go through uh, <laughs> to become an aficionado. Um, visit WWE or something. No, I'm joking.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I've got I got a real quick yeah, answer yeah. for this. Um, I feel like any one of those tiles are self-proclaimed, and 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 I say that in the manner of which—and um, and I say that negatively. Um, I don't even consider myself an efficient. I don't know what to call my experience level. I know that I like what I do, and I spend as much time as I can learning it and enjoying it and being enthralled by the experiences yeah. and immersing myself in the industry and the culture as a whole. Um, I don't know that there's a specific name you can put to anything, um aficionado or pro status, whatever it may be. I feel like if anyone's gonna coin that term, it's gonna be a third party that's going to say what you are as opposed to being self proclaimed. But most of the people in this industry if they call themselves a cigar aficionado, yeah. it's obviously self proclaimed.
2: It would be uh it, you can't you can't claim education as being an aficionado either. Right. Um. You know, like what they say in school, what you learn in school is one thing, but what you experience in the workforce is an entirely different thing. Right. Plus, I think a much broader perspective and understanding of things comes with trying as much as you can. Of course. Like it, whether it's traveling, going to different countries. I think it's just the idea of being as well-rounded
0: as yeah, you possibly as well-rounded can. as you
2: possibly can. Yeah. There's
0: a lot of people who claim they're cigar aficionados who. Use knowledge and experience to downplay other people's knowledge and experience. And as I understand the term aficionado, I think those people are just fucking assholes. So I don't like to give them a title that is that prestigious. They're just cunts. But Philip, I am for sure an aficionado. All right,
2: (laughs) Kyle Fitzpatrick. Oh, buddy. There's our Kyle. (laughs) Poor Wanderlust, man. I hope you can get some in Germany. He asks... Uh, Is trying to learn uh, or am trying to learn to retrohale worth it? And does it make a big difference to tasting flavors in cigar? Well, I'll tell you this, uh, Kyle. I've tried retrohaling, and it burnt the shit out of my nose.
0: Yeah, so I retrohale every once in a blue moon. But I don't retrohale on cigars that I know are going to be... Like a peppery cigar? (laughs) Yeah, so something that I know has got like two Nicaraguan fillers in it, I'm not trying to retrohale. I think a lot of people retrohale... um, more to try to draw in obviously there's a lot of senses in your nose a yeah. bunch of what you taste is what you smell and vice versa so i think that's the idea of people you are retro when they're smoking cigars um i don't think my taste buds are yet that burnt to where i feel like i have to retrohale to get um to get what flavors are intended in a particular cigar so yeah. i would say if you're comfortable doing it by all means, go ahead and do it. I do it every once in a while, but it's not it's not common for I, me. I burn my
2: nostrils. It's Maybe when I'm terrible. like
0: 70 and my taste buds are completely dissolved, I may start <laughs> exhaling more. But at, at this time, I, I don't. It's good good question. Yeah, Try that's it a good out. question. We'll
2: see. We'll see if your nose can handle it. Let's do one more. Tro- uh, Troy Wahlberger asks, uh, "What was the most money you spent on one cigar, and which one?" Well. I know for a fact mine was uh, celebrating Corey's uh, 29th, 29th birthday. birthday party. I mm-hmm. bought two 1926
0: Padrones. Which is funny that you bought the, two, the 1926 Padrones because as we were talking to Danny, he said his two favorite cigars yeah. were the, um, the Opus, Opus X, X Lock City, yeah, which is A8. the most City. expensive cigar I've ever paid for. Yeah. And the 1926 is the most expensive cigar you've ever paid for. Yeah. So, how weird's that?
2: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's questions. I mean, we could try to get one more. Well, yeah, one let's more? do one more. Bill Rogoni. I'm going to say, Bill, you might not be Italian, but I'm going to read your last name like Bill. It's Italian. Bill Rogoni. Um, at what point uh, there are there too many cigar brands in the marketplace? Oh, this is a, why did you pick a loaded question? Uh, Bill Rogoni uh, from Global Leaf. Makes it sound like you're like a publication.
0: Bill, you're you're about to see, I feel, uh, regulatory attrition coming on. Um, As we mentioned in the podcast, I feel like a lot of the cigar brands, um, especially since cigars are growing in popularity every single year since probably the early 90s, um, you're starting to see more people want to play in that sandbox. Um, I think the regulatory process, which is, in my opinion, inevitable, is going to probably kill off most of those brands, uh, and or, if the brand is worthy, is going to be consumed by larger brands. So I think attrition alone is going to um, alleviate what would be considered too many cigar brands, but... Um, I like the idea of new things coming on our market, especially if it's innovative. So I don't know that there's necessarily a number that I could quantify and say that's too much. But what I can say is, um, I think naturally a lot of those are going to dissolve over the next few years.
2: And in a simple analogy, I look at like cigars, like alcohol, there's top shelf tobacco and there's like bottom shelf cheaper shit. Unfortunately, we see a lot of boutiques, a lot of ones we've worked with that, um, done reviews of the cigars, where they go through cigar brokers and they get basically bottom of the barrel shit. Yeah. They, they get mainly, what's left over after everyone takes the Mainly because of either su- supply and demand, right. uh, they just can't supply them with the better shit that's already being uh, bought, or they're being outbid by the big giants that are already out there. Right. Um, so that's unfortunate, but that is the reality. So can there be too many? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um I think we're about at that saturation point. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm getting to the point where I would like to see a few brands just kind of kill off. Personally, oh like a like a Fuente. Well, they're just like <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> just kill off the Fuentes.
0: Yeah, no, that'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there there's certainly ones that you would you would like to see not uh, absorb as much space in the humidor's of your local tobacconist. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. So that's all the questions Hashtag for today. Hashtag Gurkha. Just to let you know, uh, for the rest of you that did send in questions, we will get to them eventually, aka next episode.
0: And the episode after. And the, and the episode, episode after, after that. Yeah. Um, so, as always, we greatly appreciate everybody listening. Chris, how can they get a hold of you, Oh, sir?
2: man. It's always a loaded question. You can find me on Instagram, where I post nudies and uh, model photos of my cigars, and goofy shit, where I try to build innovative
0: cigar products. <laughs> Uh, yeah if anybody hasn't looked at chris's instagram here recently go check it out <laughs> that's very that's puller pulitzer prize winning right there <laughs> i love it um or nobel prize is it pulitzer pulitzer's like books right maybe it's nobel pulitzer prize. sounds german i don't want any part of that yeah not panzer Pulitzer. Uh-oh. I think it probably is German. Um, you can reach me at the Hot Ticket PC, or is it the Hot Ticket Pod? Hot, Hot Ticket, Ticket Pod um, on Instagram, and you can also join our Facebook group, which is the Hot Ticket Cigar Faction. Um, yeah. And please, as always, remember to subscribe, rate, and, and review on iTunes. We're also available on Podomatic and Stitcher. And and thanks, everybody, oh for listening.
2: God, I got one more thing. Yeah. And this is kind of like a surprise episode that we never told you was happening. And secondly... There is some way cooler, well, not cooler, other amazing shit that'll be coming up on
0: future podcasts. Oh, yeah. We've got like some crazy stuff coming fucking, up. a like lot crazy shit, dog. Crazy you shit. You me? Yeah. We rolling. Um, so, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is episode 47, and we'll be back at you next week. See you. Bye.